Welcome to Citron Cooperman's C-Suite Snacks podcast, providing the middle market with brief, concise, and tactical business improvement information in just 30 minutes. I'm Steve Ronan, the leader of our consulting and outsourcing practices and your host. Join me each week ad-free as I dive into top business issues and growth strategies with the best in the business. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please visit us at citrincooperman.com. And now for this week's episode, we hope you enjoy. Welcome to this week's installment of C-Suite Snacks. My name is Steve Ronan and the leader of Citrin Cooperman's consulting and outsourcing practices. As you all know, with COVID came a new way of work and with it came a lot of new technology. This is a blessing in most ways. It's made or is making companies more efficient, driving better analytics capabilities and helping improve customer and employee experiences. But with it also comes risk and the risks multiply as potential cyber threats become more sophisticated and ingrained in the global ecosystem. So how do you protect that you are increasingly digital business in a world of increasing technology risk? How do you prepare yourself for the age of the hacker? Today, we're joined by Mike Camacho, leader of our technology risk assurance group, who will walk us through a framework for how to think about it. And without further ado, I'd like to turn it over to Mike Camacho to begin today's session. Mike, over to you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, happy to be here today and to uh, be back on the uh, Snack Size uh, video as I was about a month and a half ago for those of you who are here. Um, today, uh, I'm Mike, Mike Camacho's introduction, um, partner and in, in the uh, practice partner for Technology Risk Advisory and Cybersecurity, or our track practice at Citroen Cooperman. Um, today, we're going to uh, dive into a very specific area of risk when you're talking about cybersecurity, and that's the risk of incident or breach. Um, some of the topics we're going to talk about today include uh, some breach stats and facts. It's always good to start off with some of the things that are out there right now from statistics perspective on, on breaches that are happening in the industry and also from our perspective. Talk about some FAQs and some real life examples of some of the breaches that are happening out there and then walk you through some ways to be prepared. And we always say be very prepared from the standpoint that um, this is a real uh, issue in the market right now across all industries. And, uh, and we'll give you some suggestions of how to move forward and then give us some time for questions at the end. So without further ado, we'll jump in. Um, these two quotes, just I think, are very good to show you the disparity right now between what is out there from the standpoint of risk and what's in their in industries where companies are doing. But the first one is cybersecurity crime is the greatest threat to every company in the world. It comes from Ginny uh, Romney from IBM. She's chairman and president and CEO. Compare that to the quote below it. 77% of organizations do not have an incident response plan in place. It just shows you right now that the risk that's out there compared to the people who are in charge of the technology and, and making sure that uh, companies have what they need to be secure and what companies are actually doing are very far apart. We're gonna start with some stats. And again, for those who were on a month and a half ago and I was on, uh, a lot of these stats come out uh, annually from the uh, Codeman Institute's report and also Verizon's report. So a couple of these are going to be um, the same as you've seen, but other ones are gonna be new that we've pulled since uh, that have just come up in the last few weeks. But the global average cost for breach is $3.86 million. It's about $146 per record uh, that's out there. A lot of people wonder where that cost comes down. It's broken down into the cost of the of the incident response, the cost of remediation, but the largest cost, that 146 per record, almost 40%, is the cost of lost business. That's the cost that it is for uh, for customers that are with your company that because you were breached will not come back. 43% uh, of all cyber attacks target small businesses. This is uh, kind of moves away from the theory that it only happens to the big guys. This is not the case. The hackers are coming after smaller organizations because they don't have the, the capital or the technology to prevent them from getting in. 
Uh, 91% of breaches are the result of phishing attacks. This is also a, a movement in the market away from hackers hitting people's firewalls and trying to get into the technology, understanding that people are spending more on the technology now, but the weakest link is the employee because people aren't appropriately training their, their people. So we'll talk a little about that later. Um, scary statistics out there, 207 days is the average amount of time it takes to detect a breach. That's the time between the hacker getting in your system and when they actually uh, are detected. The real scary part is that typically speaking, they're not detected by the company. It's being detected by an outside person, a customer, a vendor, a bank, um, anybody but, but the IT department inside. Um, and the four incidents that we've been dealing with this year, uh, all four of them were detected from outside the organization. On top of that, 73 more days to contain the breach once you figure it out. So if you think about it, nine, you know, almost nine months of your year spent from the time the hacker gets into getting them out of your system. And you think about the damage somebody could do. And then finally, um, you know, average cost for a breach is about 39.6% higher if the company is not prepared. So if you go back to, you know, 3.86 million, imagine reducing that, you know, by almost 40% if, in fact, you thought about an instance of what you do in the case beforehand. And now some new stats that are out there to kind of talk about the current environment, as Steve uh, mentioned about COVID. Since COVID-19, the FBI reported a 300% increase in cyber crimes. And on top of that, about 600% increase in phishing attacks on companies. Um, remote workers have caused a security breach in 20% of organizations. This is because, again, lack of focus, lack of ability for companies to monitor activity because of remote situations. Um, but that's, that's pretty scary. 20% of uh, companies have had a breach because of this remote work environment. Um, industries are all being affected differently, but one of the biggest ones are being hit is healthcare. Um, in September of 2020 alone, 9.7 million healthcare records were compromised in one month. And data breach is overall for healthcare organizations about 58% in 2020 alone. Uh, in 2021, they're anticipating that it will be $6 trillion will be spent globally on cybersecurity and that um, ransomware, which is just one way that once people get in through phishing, um, that's where they basically encrypt your entire system and make you pay ransom to get your data back. Uh, average ransomware has gone up 33% in 2020 over 2019 to an average of about a little over $110,000 per incident of ransomware. So again, increasing costs on organizations. As far as that remote workforce, um, a lot of people think, well, COVID is starting to go away. Maybe that's going to go away. Well, 78% of CEOs are saying right now that remote collaboration is here to stay, that when the world does come back, that being remote is probably going to be more of a commonplace thing to see. So these can, the issues we're going to talk about today are going to be there for going forward um, for quite a bit of time. Um, a scary one, again, when you're in your office and you connect you know, to, the, to the internet and you think about how you're protecting your system, you're going through a comprehensive and, and very complex set of firewalls and uh, you know, antivirus solutions. Well, when you're at home, you're connecting to a router and 86% of users have never updated their home router firmware. Think about it. At your house, you went to Best Buy, you bought your router, plugged into your cable and you let it go. How many of you actually gone up there and, and you know, updated the firmware that sits within your router so that it's protected? Thinking about organizations that have daily or weekly updates just shows you how out of date your home router and unsafe it potentially is. 20% uh, of organizations have experienced a breach as a result of remote work. We had said 92% um, of businesses store data in the cloud. This is a great jump from where it was before. A lot of times people were avoiding the cloud because they thought, um, you know, is it secure? Now, because of remote workforce, people are embracing it because they know it's the quickest and more secure way to get data um, to, to and from one location. And then the average cost of downtime. Well, when you are breached, about 11, a little over $11,000 per minute. This is cost of getting yourself back up to go, cost that's potentially associated with the ransom you have to pay to get your, your systems back up. Um, it's a large number on a case-to-case -case basis. 
always like to show this this sign. Um, we, we, if you look across here from 2007 to now, these are the big guys. These are a lot of the large companies that have had uh, incidents or breaches that have occurred. And as you'll see, you know, the hackers are industry agnostic, which is why we as experts also have to be. Um, they're looking for data, data that they can monetize and they can uh, be able to get some kind of cash or some kind of reciprocation for. And if not, they're going to smash the system on the way out. So these are the guys that have been hit, but going back to the point I made earlier, the majority of companies, 43% of companies are small to mid-sized businesses that are being gone after. So while these are the uh, the trophy case for the hackers is now what they're spending their day-to-day -day work on. And then you can take all those global stats we talked about, but then what are we seeing, you know, within such a corporate's uh, track practice? You know, in 2017 and 18, we had three incidents during the course of the year. But in 19, we started seeing that hockey stick. 17 companies had incidents or breaches that we helped with in 19, another 19 in 2020, and so far through 2021, we we're at four. Um, these breaches are much more sophisticated than they've been in the past and much larger scale. The, the long gone are the days of having that the Nigerian prince and asking you for to help him with his mortgage so he's going to lose his castle. These are specific attacks focused on you or your employees that look real. They're designed to get in. Um, so much more complicated and hard to detect. Um, average downtime during a breach we're seeing in our clients, about one to two weeks. And when we say downtime, we don't mean you're having complications getting on email. We mean no email. You can't bill. You can't pay your bills. You, you're having trouble getting payroll. Um, your systems are in essence down and out of commission. Um, longest one we had was last year was a, was a month. Um, and again, this is companies that were not prepared for what happened with them and took them a while to get back up to up and running. Um, average cost for a breach, and we're talking costs of a company like ours that comes in and help forensically get you back to go. Depending on the size, it can be between $10,000 to over $100,000 to get in. And that does not include the legal costs, technology costs, and exponentially um, higher costs associated with um, the downtime and the loss of customers that you might incur. So the question we hear about a lot is, so why now? Why is this happening at, at this time? You know, a lot of it goes back to when we originally went to the, the uh, remote workforce. And the fact these VPNs were set up quickly. We need people to be able to work from home efficiently, very fast. And unfortunately, probably greater than 80% of the companies that set these up originally have not gone back to secure those lines of communication. Uh, most of them are still using basic infrastructure with one password to get into your VPN and connect to the system. Um, now, a lot of some of the companies that have been proactive have put in uh, dual authentication or a password plus a message going to your phone to say, yes, it's me signing in. Um, ways to make it a little more secure. Um, the enhanced vulnerabilities that are out there right now from the standpoint of uh, people using personal computers or personal devices to transfer data are causing a lot more risk. Um, and because people are at home and it's a little more distracting, they're more susceptible to click on one of those phishing emails because there's so many that they're getting a day now because people are using email versus face-to-face -face communication that it's hard to detect what's real and what's not. Um, one other one that's just recently really rearing its head is that I call it what they call pandemic fatigue. Um, basically, there's blurred lines between people waking up in the morning, get in front of their computer. Um, they try, you know, that nine to five uh, concept of time is really is really fading. There's actually a statistic that I read on Monday that uh, Microsoft came out with said 52% of all uh, instant messages through Microsoft Teams come between 6 p.m. and midnight. So just showing you how the day, the workday is expanding out and it's it's causing employees to be more fatigued, not focusing as much on, on uh, you know, phishing emails that come in and clicking on things that get their company in trouble. And then also IT departments, um, you know, trading security for convenience. Employees are working from home. They, the password changes become, you know, annoying. We're seeing a degradation in password quality where companies that had eight, nine character passwords that were complex and changed every 60 days now have no expiration, less than six characters and not complex. 
Um, it's just amazing that the, the, the degradation in the quality and it's causing risk when hackers are able to, you know, drill through a six character password that's not complex in a matter of seconds. Um, also, the increased use of mobile devices causing a lot of risk because, again, people use the same phone um, or, or some other like an echo in their house that has access points that are not controlled through the VPN that are potentially exposing data to the outside. As how they're getting in, you know, a couple of these things. The first one is, as we mentioned earlier, is phishing. Um, you know, 80% of all um, report incidents are phishing. And again, 90% of all breaches are coming from some kind of social engineering as well. Um, this is primarily delivered by malware or something that someone clicks on when they get an email. And really it's happening because employees are not getting sufficient training. They were trained fine for the work environment where there was all kinds of uh, firewalls and, and antiviruses detecting things, but at home, it's, it's, not, as, it's not as quick, not as easy. Um, human error is the next one, and 95% of all breaches are due to human error, whether it be clicking on an email or inappropriate sharing of data or accidental sharing of data. Um, and a big one, as I mentioned a minute ago, is mobile devices. You know, people are getting their are getting share files on their phone, they're getting emails on their phone, and one in 36 mobile devices have high-risk apps or something that, you know, one of their kids got, they got the parent phone and loaded on some game that has access to all your contacts and all your emails. Little did you know that when, when your um, son or daughter loaded that on your phone. And then finally, lack of effective IT policies and monitoring. Um, deficient policy is probably one of the biggest areas of risk that we see when we go to a uh, company that says we have a policy in place to prevent against employees um, sharing data. But when you look in actuality, employees are sharing data on non-secured sites out on the internet and it's causing you know, potential exploitation of data as well. On the other side of that too, log monitoring and detection controls are really, as I mentioned earlier, diminished because people just, the, the IT department is so focused on getting people operational and working from home that they're not doing the basic monitoring they should be doing to detect issues in the, uh, their environment. And just a few stories here. And again, um, some of these, uh, if you're on a month or so ago, you might've heard some of these, but they're impactful specifically as it relates to breaches. Um, but three stories that we have that have happened recently. One was a client of ours, and this is probably one of the most prevalent ways we're seeing people get in is an Office 365 vulnerability. You get an email from Office 365 and it looks legit from your IT group saying, your password's gonna expire, click, you know, enter your credentials and your password here and then reset. And it's an entire phishing expedition. You put in your current password, which the hacker captures, and then you change your password like you'd normally get those buttons. Problem is when you change, when you're giving them your original password, it's your actual password. So before you're, when you're done clicking the button saying change my password, they've already logged in to Office 365 and changed it for you. So that when you log in, you know nothing's amiss. Problem is they're in your system. And that's what happened in this case. The uh, client had somebody who got in their system and didn't immediately, and it was just their email. So you think not my network, it's not as bad, but they sat in the system for five months learning the company, how do bills come in, who approves them, who pays them, um, who's responsible for reconciling cash, um, who, how often is it done? When are they going on vacation? And then over a course of about two weeks, we're able to siphon almost a million dollars out of the organization. And again, how is it detected? A bank that the hacker had set up to receive the, the um, inappropriately transferred funds called because they were concerned saying that this account just got set up this morning and had a wire from a third party sent for such a large dollar amount. So um, again, just shows the situation of how one of these, a incident in Office 365 and an exposure from a cyber perspective can take advantage of a company on an internal control perspective because you know they're able to learn your systems. Similar story is the one that we call Seek and Destroy. This is a similar organization, but instead of infiltrating Office 365, they used a Screen Connect or one of those, uh, those device, those uh, programs that a company will use, an IT uh, group will use to log into your system remotely. 
so that they can fix your you know, computer while you're sitting there watching your, your mouse move around. Um, well, in this case, they got their, their uh, third-party IT provider had an incident where someone got in, knew their clients used Screen Connect, sent an email, a spoofed email saying, time to upgrade your version of Screen Connect. Problem was, it wasn't an update. It was loading a phantom version on the system. And then once that person, the hacker had that, they were able to, in essence, walk through because the person they hacked was an executive, had access to the entire environment, and then they proceeded to set up other Screen Connects in every location they had around the United States. And so they could hop in at any location, any time, typically between two and three in the morning, and search for files. And over like a three or four month period, looked around, found one document that has some employee um, uh, social security numbers and addresses, and was upset that that's all they found after four months. So what they did is, after being there a long time, they had figured out what the admin password was for their backup solution. They logged into the cloud backup, deleted the backups, deleted the restore points, went back to the network and wiped it and was gone. Um, when we got in and got called and tried to help, we identified the fact that because they hadn't deleted logs and systems, and we can go back and look at the logs, and we could tell that they were there going in every single night at 2 a.m. And so had the client been looking at those logs, it would have been detected well in advance, would have prevented all the issues that they had and um, caused a lot less trouble. And then the last one, really focusing on, again, how, how this happens and how employees are a key factor. We had a client that um, actually had an employee who was sitting at their desk on the computer, um, got an email, was phishing, clicked on it, and it launched a package right away. Well, their, their system had the antivirus. Immediately, screen came up. We've got an issue. They unplugged from the network, ran to IT. What happened? They looked, but because antivirus did a job, it caught it, kept it on the computer, did not get to the network. IT said, great, let me keep your computer. Here's a loaner. Use this until we fix your system. So the person went back to their desk, plugged into the network, started their email, and opened the same email and launched the same attachment again. Um, the issue was this time, the loaner did not have an updated um, spy, uh, antivirus. So this time, it did not pop the window saying you got an issue, and instead it encrypted the entire network for the company. So um, common themes here, breaches are avoidable, log reviews would have caught it in almost every case. Automated tools that kind of cross-reference um, cross different um, logs to see that you, you've got someone from uh, Belgrade that are hitting your firewall and hitting your Office 365 account. And a, a managed SIM or um, um, event viewer will actually see that and say, wait a minute, let's close down all communication from Belgrade. Someone's trying to hack our system. Um, and then employee education, you will hear this again and again in this conversation. If employees had known better than to click on certain um, emails because they weren't expecting to see it from a customer or expecting to see it from their IT provider, they might have caught these in advance. So what can you do if you go through and, and how do you prepare? The very first thing that we say when you prepare your company for an incident and really living in this you know, hacker's playground, as we call it, is to understand the difference between a security incident and a breach. I'll tell you that probably 90% of the time when we get a call from a client or an email from a client that has an issue, they'll say, so we were breached this morning and we, had, we have this problem. Can you come help me with this breach? First thing is a breach and security incident are very different things from a legal perspective and from a requirement perspective. A security incident just means that there's been a violation of your security policy that puts sensitive data at risk. Does not mean it was accessed. A breach is a security incident that had unauthorized access to data. Why is that so important? Because from the standpoint of every, you know, 50 states in the United States have um, a policy on breach response requirements if a company has a breach. And when does it become a breach? The first time the company just identifies it as a breach. So if there's emails going around on day one that you had a breach, and you know a week later you conclude that someone actually exfiltrated data, technically speaking, they can go back to the first time you started listing breach in an email and call it a breach at that point. So always call it a security incident up front. And until your experts determine the fact that there's been data exfiltrated, that's when, in essence, you can start using, uh, using the, the breach word. 
The next step is preparing a plan for responding to security incidents. And again, because it's, uh, it's really coming up with a plan that covers everybody in the organization. They should be comprehensive, first and foremost. It should include the resources and who you contact first. If you have an incident, uh, who should be the first person you contact? What is I, and what are the rules? What does IT do? What does the owner do? Who is your expert that you're going to call in to have help you? Um, and don't forget your third-party providers. If you have an outsourced IT group, they should very much be a part of this as well and, and being understanding their roles and responsibilities. Um, understanding how you're going to detect and analyze what happened. Are you going to hire a third party to help you with that? Um, containing it, eradicating and recovering your data. What's the plan for doing that? And how, where are you, how are your backups configured to allow you for quick uh, turnaround and recovery of data? Um, and then incident and breach communications. Who's going to be responsible for it? If the media happens to call, who are you going to direct them to? There should be one point of contact for communications when it relates to if some incident arises in the case of a breach. Um, who communicates? And typically speaking, it's an individual in the company. Uh, working closely in communication with your attorneys. And then finally, the remediation and post-incident activities, who's going responsible for driving forward the plan so that this gets protected so it doesn't happen again? All those responsibilities being, be, uh, being in place. And then not only that, getting the plan developed, but most importantly, moving to step three, testing the plan. If you put something in place, you definitely should, it should at least be doing a tabletop exercise with all members. Um, these happen all the time. We've had some clients we've helped with this where you set up a scenario that you come in and you're, you've got a message on your screen that says all of your files have been encrypted. Pay us $100,000 to get your data back. What do you do? Who do you contact? How do you evaluate? Having that plan in place and having the people say what they would be doing and in the order will help people in the real life and experience as to what to do next and prepare you to the point I made at the early presentation about um, lower costs preparing you to ensure you can react appropriately, timely and swiftly and get your data back and your company up and operating in a very quick manner. Um, the other thing we always say is review that plan annually. You know, solutions that were good a year ago may no longer be viable because of changes in technology, changing in the structure or changing in approach that hackers are getting into companies. So reviewing that annually to make sure you're keeping up to speed is, is, is a good idea. So we always come down to asking the you know, companies, so where do we start? And, and there's really two elements here that we should consider. Um, one thing we always talk about first is you need to understand your risk. Um, we always recommend people doing a risk assessment before you start talking about incident response because you can't protect data or know how you're going to respond when a company, a company tries to take your data unless you know what your data is that's critical. And make sure you understand where it is, how it's protected, and really getting those places protected first before you worry about the how you're going to respond to the incident. So there's several different ways. You know, often there's external risk assessments. Sitchin Cooperman's model um, is the score report. It's a high-level risk assessment that we've designed for our size clients, that, you know, small to mid-sized clients who want, you know, know that cybersecurity is an issue, but don't know where to start. So it provides a de facto plan for you to go through nine different domains and I show you whether you're high, medium, low risk what we identified as, to, as an issue, why it's a business risk, like why should you be worried from a business perspective, and then what to do to fix it. So giving you that de facto roadmap to go from beginning to end to resolve your issue. And not only that, but we try to prioritize it for you so that you know, okay, there's 15 items we noticed here, but where if I can only fix four this year because of budget and or capital restraints, where do I start? Our, our hotspots will walk you right through what, what you should go with first, and then everything else you should probably, you should focus on later. The second aspect here is being proactive. And I, I always reiterate in, in um, conversations that I have with people that being proactive is the best thing you can do versus reactive because the price and the cost differential to the company is, is incremental. Just as an example, um, if, you are, uh, if you work on the proactive side, so let's say someone calls us and says, we want you to do a penetration and vulnerability test on us. So we are a simulated bad guy and we try to hack into their system. 
um, that the risk assessments that we do, doing fishing expeditions, average cost per hour doing that work is like 150 to 300 bucks an hour, depending on the sophistication of the company. Flip to the other side after you're breached, the incident, the detection, the forensics, the analysis, the containment, um, helping your attorneys get you back to go. The average cost per hour of those services are between 350 and 500 plus per hour. Um, as you can see, it's almost double the cost of doing the services of someone being proactive and identifying what's could go wrong up front, then have to just respond to something you know ad hoc. And again, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do this. Um, the most important part is to know, again, back in your plan, who's the first call? Um, whether that is it going to be your insurance company? Is it going to be your IT department? Is it going to be um, your your attorney, um, or is it going to be someone that you've you've uh, signed up with to help you manage the entire process? So again, from Sitchin Cooperman's perspective, you know we have CyberSecure. That's our case. It's our it's our 24/7, 365 incident response team that helps our clients. Um, if if you have an incident or you think your system's acting strange, anytime you know 24/7, you can call an 800 number and connect to our incident response team who's on the phone with you almost within 30 minutes every time uh, to talk through, here's what you have, let's identify this situation and start moving you towards um, uh, protection. The benefit of this is that it's a $0 uh, engagement letter up front. So it's no cost. It just puts in place the rate structure that you'll have in case you have an incident. So that like a lot of times you have a breach, talk about it and say, yes, we can help you, but let me get an engagement letter and put it together and just delaying those, those critical first few hours of an incident. The other benefit is too, if our clients have a score report that I mentioned a minute ago, or have had uh, penetration testing done as part of our um, our services, you get a 15% discount off those rates. So it provides our clients an opportunity to have that peace of mind that if I have an issue, um, I've got someone in my corner to call to help me through this issue. So with that, I, mean, I know it's again, a lot of content. We have we have uh, species that can go over, uh, that can spend you know an hour going through instant response and some of the risks, but that snack size version of giving that to you, it's a lot of concepts. So if there's any questions, we'd be happy to answer them now. Mike, thanks a lot. Uh, a great session. And, and you, you and I have both seen actually uh, a, a big increase in these uh, uh, types of events since COVID. So I, th I think really important topic to get out in front of, in front of folks. Um, a couple of questions that have come in. So I guess the first one, again, we hear this all the time, right? If we use cloud services like Dropbox, Gmail for data, um, they're, you know, using some tools, malware bytes and some other tools on, on laptops. What are some of the other ways that companies should be thinking about protecting their data, um, especially when they're working remotely uh, from, from home infrastructure? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think th there are several different solutions out there, I and mean, there's many solutions that you can use for as far as the, the secure transfer of data. Again, as you said, a lot of people have it almost like, you know, whether it be a virtual desktop or VPNing into their network, you know, over a secure channel, so that they, in essence, can have access from wherever they are. Um, we see a lot of that, but we do have companies that need to transfer large files back and forth for whether it be a client or for them, their own, and they are using services like Dropbox, et cetera. The most important part is to vet the group that you're using to transfer that data, um, because most of those organizations will have you know, what's called a SOC report, um, which in essence is a report that evaluates the controls of that organization, how they protect your data when it's in their hands. Evaluating those is key to make sure that the service provider you've picked to save and store your data, have as many or if not more um, more intense controls than you would have protecting that data if it was in your in your venue. Um, there's also another other tools, and one of the hardest parts about this is the monitoring aspect of it is how to company monitor activity. Um, so uh, there are there are plenty of tools out there. That, you know, there's our um, SIM providers where I mentioned it earlier. It will actually compare logs across your entire network and identify themes and and you know, beyond humans using analytics to 
can you look at different places and where they're hitting your network and uh, pulling them together to develop a trend saying this might be a security issue and you structure it so that if they detect something, they either one, just shut it down to protect your system or do they call somebody in IT to have them evaluate it and saying, hey, Steve Ronan never, he, he logged in today from Massachusetts. Now he's logging in from England. Does that make sense? And sure, maybe Steve jumped on a plane and went, but if he didn't, it is indication something could be wrong. Having automation detect that for you more than a human reviewing logs is, is uh, a way to really kind of uh, you know, uh, better protect yourself. Mike, for people who want to learn more about the score report, how, how do they understand what's kind of in it? Is are there are there sample reports that you that you give out? Do you have a call and then want to talk through a sample report? How does that usually work? Absolutely. So yeah, so I, I, my contact information is here on on the slide. Feel free to again um, to reach out or respond to the email that goes out after this about any questions, and we can have a discussion about what it entails. I have we have placemats we can send out that gives you an overview of what it entails and sample score reports you can look at that'll give you an overview of what you're going to see. Um, again, the re, we designed this report to not be, there are comprehensive, uh, you know, you can spend $50,000, $100,000 on a risk assessment that are 200 pages full of uh, log, or log results, et cetera. This report was designed for the owners of companies to be able to read in English and understand their business risk um, and cost effective so that they can get that, that high level view without having to, you know, to, to break the bank to do it with the average score report between, between five and $9,000 for, for normal size companies within our, within our uh, client base. So reach out if you have if you want company uh, questions and we'll go into detail with um, how it relates to your company and can work with you. It's great. Well, Mike, thanks a lot for joining us today. For